Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. Dr. Sarai Stancic is a triple board certified physician in internal medicine, infectious diseases, and lifestyle medicine. But her interest in lifestyle medicine is rooted in her personal story as a patient living with multiple sclerosis. She's the founder of one of the first lifestyle medicine practices in the country, and she mentors the Lifestyle Medicine Interest Group at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School. She seeks passionately to spread the power of preventive medicine on a global scale and brings needed change to how we train physicians. She's producer and co-creator of the documentary film Code Blue, which made its global release in May of 2020. And she also just released her first book, What's Missing from Medicine, Six Lifestyle Changes to Overcome Chronic Illness, in this last year. She's recently joined the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, which is based in Washington, D.C., as Director of Medical Education, where she will focus on expanding the role of nutrition and lifestyle in medical schools and residency programs, as well as influence nutrition policy. Listen in on how this fascinating doctor chose herself to overcome a devastating medical diagnosis. Dr. Sarai Stancic, thank you so much for being with me here today. Juliana, it's a great pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I recently, only recently stumbled upon your work at a conference I was attending for Continuing Ed, and you blew me away with your story and your passion and you quite literally have the quintessential choose you now story and you've made it your mission to really inspire others. So I I had to reach out and find you and I'm so excited to talk to you. And I would love to start with, you know, your story. I mean, you started your career as an infectious disease physician, but you had this incredible turn of events and I would love for you to share. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, for me, it all started uh, in 1995. Um, it was actually October 11th, and at the time, Juliana, I was a third-year medical resident, and I was on call, uh, working an overnight shift, really busy night, uh, just running around the hospital, literally running from one end to the other, and it wasn't until sometime in the mid-morning hours where I finally found that opportunity to take a nap. Um, got to the room, fell asleep right away, and shortly thereafter, I was paged, and when I tried to get up out of that sleeping position, uh, an extraordinary thing happened. I couldn't feel my legs. And uh, that led to um, an ER visit. Uh, an MRI was completed, and that study confirmed a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis with multiple lesions. So I had a lot of disease burden in both my brain and spinal cord. And um, it was the turning point of my life because in that moment, uh, everything changed. You know, I was told, um, I was hospitalized and told that I would likely. Uh, being in a wheelchair within 10 to 20 years. Now, I, w- I had just turned 28 years old, so you can imagine how, um, you know, difficult uh, that moment was for me. Uh, and they told me that uh, I had a lot of disease and it was an imperative that I start medication uh, immediately. And at the time, uh, believe it or not, uh, there, there was something to celebrate because <laughs> the FDA had just approved uh, in that year, the first medication to slow the progression of multiple sclerosis. Um, the FDA had just recently approved it. I mean, within, I think, months of, of my diagnosis, a drug called beta-seron. And so um, I was started on this medicine 
uh, and uh, the side effect profile of the medication was so significant that, you know, long story short, I found myself within a, a few years of this diagnosis um, dependent on nearly a dozen medications to treat not only the disease and the symptoms of the disease, but the side effects of the medications that I was taking. Like, for example, betaseron would uh, result in, um, you know, significant uh, issues with sleep. So I was started on Ambien. Um, then, you know, it was medications for the neuropathy I was experiencing and the bladder issues from, from MS. Anyway, I found myself within 12, within a few years, dependent on these dozen medications, quality of life significantly compromised, and my disease continued to progress despite being, you know, strictly compliant with everything my doctors had advised. Uh, and then in 2003, by chance, I came across an article that discussed a connection between multiple sclerosis and diet. And this was so foreign to me, Juliana, because I had never learned anything about how disease, how diet, you know, affects disease formation. And so it was that, that was what I call my aha moment, reading that, that publication then catalyzed this tremendous interest in wanting to learn more and I delved into the literature and I learned about diet and its influence um, in, in, in disease, particularly autoimmune disease and, and multiple sclerosis specifically. And it was there that I um, implemented changes in my life. You know, I adopted a whole food plant-based diet. I began to exercise for the first time. I had been told not to exercise. It was falsely believed to worsen MS. And as I continued to make these lifestyle changes, uh, I started to get better, you know, and I was able to taper off of every one of those medications. And today, uh, here I am, it's been 26 years since my diagnosis and I'm medication free, disability free. Uh, I ran a marathon after being dependent on a, on a cane for many years in 2010, I, I ran a marathon. Uh, and so, you know, this has been, uh, remarkable to me because at one point in my life, I was a young woman um, suffering with a chronic disease. I was also a physician, dual board certified in internal medicine and infectious diseases and knew nothing about the importance of diet and lifestyle. And so in the latter half of my career, it is, it is so important to me that I further uh, this movement in lifestyle medicine and plant-based nutrition that all doctors should have this foundation and understanding that this is the most important intervention we have available to us, and yet it is not actively practiced. And we need to change that. It is uh, unacceptable to me that not every physician uh, is aware of the power that lies in the plate and in, 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 our, in our daily decisions. So uh, that is why um, it, it's incredibly important to me, uh, certainly, because of my personal story and, and how blessed I feel uh, today to be uh, living with this disease for 26 years and, and to have uh, no dependency on medication and to be an active person that I have to give back uh, to my community, not just, you know, patients and community, but assure that doctors um, who are not informed about this, that the next generation of physicians understands how important this is. And, and so, uh, that is why uh, I'm so passionate about the work that I do because I think it's so powerful and it can lead to uh, the improvement of the quality of life of so many 
um, of us across the country and beyond. Yes, it's extraordinary. Sorry, it's absolutely extraordinary. I, I want to say you should write a book, but you did. I want to say you should write a documentary, and you did. And I think that that's really compelling. And I mean, you're lit literally living proof of all of this. You wrote the book, What's Missing from Medicine. And mm -hmm. I mean, what you just said is everything, right? I mean, I, I go around saying the same things. We have very similar ideas. Of, I mean, it's true. It's like a one size fits all thing is just you eat more plants, you know, you take care of yourself. And that is everything in terms of health. And it is so missed in healthcare right now. So if you could just summarize your thesis about what's missing, but because really what I really want to focus on is the other parts, because it's all in your book and your film that I highly recommend. But I want to talk more about you and making these decisions and, and how that happens, because that's kind of like the the other side that it sparks all of this. And, but can you just before that, just summarize your thesis about what is missing indeed yeah. from medicine? Well, I mean, it's this very, um, you know, constellation of, 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 of this idea of preventive medicine um, being first and foremost and, and bringing it um, to, to, to be utilized as 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 a tool in medicine. I mean, you know, it, we know that um, so much of what we see, heart disease. We know that eighty percent of heart disease is preventable. Diabetes is a disease that is exploding in our country. Juliana, when I was in medical school, rates of diabetes in this country in the early nineties about two percent. Today, we're brushing past ten percent, and the CDC predicts that by twenty fifty, by the time my son is my age, more than thirty percent of Americans will be living with diabetes. We know how to prevent diabetes. We have overwhelming evidence in the scientific literature that illustrates this and supports this, and yet we're not actively speaking to it. We're not empowering our patients. We're not giving them this information, and the disconnect to me is extraordinary. I just don't understand it. It is why you know, I, 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 we made the film because I wanted to shed light on this lapse. Why are physicians not learning this, this idea uh, that we call salutogenesis? So the things that are missing in medicine are um, the very elements of lifestyle medicine, right? And so lifestyle medicine is really six, the six pillars are, I use spokes. I like to use uh, the imagery of a, of a lifestyle medicine wheel because uh, the wheel allows the reader to envision the spokes, right? And so the spokes are interconnected. And you would, if you could imagine if you had a wheel and you were only uh, addressing two or three of the spokes on that wheel, you might have some weak spokes. And so you, you're, you're not optimizing your, over, your lifestyle overall. So for, for me, it's about addressing what we're eating. It's about daily physical activity, right? Uh, stress management, addressing issues of substance abuse, uh, the importance of social interconnectedness uh, and, and sleep hygiene. Uh, sleep is a tremendous problem in our country, particularly now as, as stress levels are climbing in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, we can, we can talk a little bit about that as well. I mean, as an infectious disease physician, I've witnessed my two worlds, right? This acute uh, infectious pandemic overlapping this chronic disease epidemic. And, and we have witnessed in, this, in, this, in the midst of this difficult period, how those amongst us who, are, who have the most significant morbidity and mortality are those that are living with a chronic disease baseline. Very early on in the midst of this pandemic, we learned that those who had a chronic disease at the time that were infected with SARS-CoV-2, they were six times more likely to be hospitalized and 12 times more likely to die. 
And even with vaccine efficacy, we know patients who are living with a chronic disease like obesity, diabetes, or heart disease, their vaccine uh, efficacy is also compromised. There are so, um, so many reasons why, at, particularly in, at this juncture uh, in our history, that the field of medicine really needs to act to create meaningful change so that we see a shift in paradigm because the path that we're on today is not sustainable. We can't have 30% of Americans living with diabetes. Our healthcare system will collapse. Right. And what's so interesting, like what you probably learned in school and I learned in like my internship was, you know, there's a diabetes diet and there's a renal diet and there's a cardiovascular no, yeah. diet, but there's just, that's just not so because we are one organism, right? And we, we function. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's such a great point. I, that, that upsets me when I hear, oh, you know, I've got a diabetes diet. I've got an MS diet. I've got, no, it's just, it's just <laughs> one diet. Let's make it, why do we, we, we shouldn't complicate things and we should, you know, we should simplify it. It's really about increasing the plants on your plate uh, and helping, you know, in, patients to understand just very simple, um, you, know, you know, we know when we eat a fiber-rich diet, you know, we what happens? We enrich the microbiome. It lowers our cholesterol. We, we it increases our satiety. I mean, there's so many reasons, uh, and and these are simple lessons, and and patients understand it. And once you convey it to them, and you know this, they get it. Um, you know, so many of my colleagues have said to me in the past, you know, Sarai, people, they just want to eat what they want to eat. They they rather take the pill and eat the cheeseburger. And and that's not true. People want to feel well. People want to live long and happy and productive lives. Um, if we give them uh, the, the the path that we're, or we present them the path and we show them how to, pe patients are more than happy to engage and to, and to create um, uh, these changes on their plate because the, the benefits are extraordinary. As you said, uh, maybe someone comes to this because they want to um, better manage their diabetes or, or, you know, recent diagnosis of lupus and you want to make, but the wonderful thing about, uh, plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine is that it addresses everything, right? So for me, as, as a young woman, uh, diagnosed 26 years ago with multiple sclerosis, certainly it served, um, the progression of this disease for me and has allowed me to help better manage it. But guess what? It also reduced my risk of breast cancer, my risk of diabetes, my risk of Alzheimer's disease. So, you know, my hope for each and every one of us is that we are, we each age gracefully, right? Free of chronic disease so that on that last day on planet earth, we can enjoy a beautiful day with our family and friends, uh, clear of mind. And then at age, at let's say 102, you go to bed on that last day and you pass away peacefully. We, that could, that's possible. It's not uh, inevitable that we end up in a nursing home or in an ICU suffering and our, and our family members, our loved ones witnessing that. It, it, right. it shouldn't be this way. Right. We, or it's, but it's become normalized as it has absolutely. You know, just symptoms. All of this stuff has become normalized. Obesity is normalized and there's an acceptance. And I'm, I'm optimistic to hear you say that you see patients that want the option. I see a lot of patients that don't, that are, would rather take the pill. I mean, I don't see my clients are the ones that obviously want to make the changes, but right. I see, you know, a lot of physicians, a lot of people come to me because their physicians say to them, 
there, you don't have a choice. You have to take these medications. And I feel like I'm glad, I'm so grateful for your work because we need more of this influence where, where doctors know that there is an option and it's not, you know, like for instance, I was talking about my father had a stroke in February and his doctor said, oh, don't worry, your diet has nothing to do with this. And clearly uh, it does. I'm, I'm sorry about your dad. Thank you. It's very disempowering to think you don't have a choice. You have to rely on medications and you're the walking epitome of the fact that that's not true. So I go back to, I would love to go back to, because we don't have that much time here and you have so much wisdom and all of the facts and all that wonderful stuff is in your book and movie, but you are at this crossroads. You've got this horrifically enormous diagnosis at such a young age with your whole life ahead of you. And your doctors are, are telling you one thing, what empowered, what do you, if you go back, what do you think it was that empowered you to say, wait, I'm going to take my own journey. I'm going to try this other option. Like what, what was it in you that sparked that? Yeah. I have to tell you, it was a really low point for me. I mean, envision this, I was dependent on a cane or crutches. I, I was, like I said, taking those 12th medicines. I was wearing a diaper. I was deeply depressed. And then when I came across this article that that spoke to the, you know, the relevance of diet in multiple sclerosis. Was this Rose, Roy Swink's work? I'm just curious. Well, the, the original study was a, was a throwaway medical journal, Juliana. It was, it was a, a small study that looked at patients who were consuming a diet rich in blueberries, and they spoke about anthocyanin. And, um, and, you know, and I looked at it and I thought it was silly. I, I couldn't believe anybody had published the data, but that it was that study that then took me to PubMed and I put, you know, I typed in w the words diet and multiple sclerosis. And that's the first study that I got was Roy Swank, published in 1952, uh, where he wrote about the incidence of MS in Norway. And in that publication, uh, he discussed uh, a hypothesis that that saturated fat was playing a role in the in the uh, incidence of multiple sclerosis and rather in the pathogenesis of multiple sclerosis because he noted that the highest percentage of patients um, w affected by this disease were living in the inner farming dairy community where they were consuming a lot of saturated fat now he went on to treat 140 plus patients um, over 36 years he finally published his data after following them for 100 for 36 years in the lancet in 1990 and he concluded then that 95% of his patients remained physically active. That's what was like, what? That that was like, that was the eye-opening moment for me. Uh, and then it wasn't just his work. There were several other publications, Canadian studies, European studies that aligned with his, with his thinking. And since Swank in the past, probably five, six years, we've seen a lot of data published uh, uh, in in the microbiome space, looking at uh, in, in multiple sclerosis and plant-based diets, and the and what were the shifts in the microbiome, and how the microbiome, how these organisms, by the production of these uh, middle, um, butyrate, is affecting the immune system. So we're starting to understand the mechanisms as to how this is happening. Because when Swank proposed this idea of diet helping MS patients, it didn't make sense. Like you know, think. How does what you put on your plate affect an autoimmune disease that is affecting your brain and spinal cord? But now we know we've connected the dots. It's it's the fiber is is modifying the content of the microbiome, and in turn that affects the immune system. So it's it's really quite remarkable. But yes, it was swank, uh, and in fact, I'm in my office right now, and I have a, 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 the article that I read 
you know, in 2003 framed and I'm staring at it right now. So meaningful to me. Uh, I love that so much. Yeah. So you started this journey, you were inspired and, and you started your recovery. And by the way, I'm sure we're going to see so many things unfold because you keep seeing all these multiple mechanisms by which these things occur. It's quite extraordinary and exciting to watch. Um, So you're seeing these results and, and then, then what, how did it unfold for you? So I, the first thing I, you know, I, I went to my doctor and I told him what I was going to do. And he, he thought I was crazy. He told me to <laughs> remain compliant with my medicine. And, you know, it wasn't good because in 2003, this is, you know, I really had no support at the time. It was, this was a long time ago. So I went against, uh, you know, um, mainstream thinking and I decided, you know, this isn't working for me. I've hit rock bottom and it felt like rock bottom. Um, so I'm going to try this. And so I, I just, I started by changing my diet. I adopted a, a whole food plant-based diet in 2003 and I was strict with it. Um, I started to exercise at that point. I could, I hadn't felt my leg and legs in more than five years, I think. And so my husband would help me get onto a stationary bike and I could do a minute or two and then exhausted and in pain, he would carry me off. But I, I was meticulous about getting back on every day. And it was very, very, the progress was like snails. I mean, it was just really, really painful because I, it, it, I, you know, I went from a minute on the bike to maybe two minutes, like three or four months later, that was the progress, but I kept at it. Uh, I learned how to sleep, Juliana. I was addicted to Ambien and benzodiazepines, which my doctors freely wrote. And uh, so coming off of those hypnotics and was really, really difficult, but I learned how to sleep. I studied sleep hygiene, the importance of environment, about scheduling, about pre-sleep rituals. Uh, and I learned how to sleep and and I became this professional sleeper. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, you know, I implemented, it wasn't just one thing though. I addressed everything. Like I brought my, I was chief of infectious diseases at the Hudson Valley VA. I brought my team together and I said, I'm leaving every day at five o'clock unless there's a, you know, there's a patient emergency, I'm not going to take on that extra research project. I'm going to this clinic time. I'm, I'm someone else is going to cover it for the first time in my life. I was going to put myself first. And so I did that. Uh, I, I addressed every aspect of my lifestyle and I started to feel better. It didn't happen in a week and it didn't happen in a month, but it, over time, uh, I started to improve. And, uh, within a, a couple of years, there was a dramatic shift. And, and it was then that, that someone suggested to me, you should consider running a marathon. And I thought it was crazy at that time because, you know, MS patients don't run marathons. Um, but I took on the challenge and um, I did it. You know, I ran a marathon and I ran, I run regularly. And, um, and here I am uh, today, as I said, this past year, um, on October 11th, I do this every year. On October 11th, 2021, was the 26th anniversary I commemorated since the di- my diagnosis. And I, and I walk, ran 26 miles on that day. And next year, I'll do 27, God willing. And the year after that, I'll do 28. As long as God allows me, I'll keep at it. Amazing, amazing, Sarai. So, what do you think? What would, what is your advice for someone if they are given a devastating diagnosis? I think it's important um, to uh, learn as much as you can about the diagnosis, certainly get a second opinion. And no matter what the diagnosis, regardless, and, and by the way, I'm not against medication. I am 
a board certified infectious disease specialist that utilizes medication all the time. There, it's, I mean, I'm an infectious disease physician. Where would we be without antibiotics and antivirals? And I mean, uh, you know, obviously in vaccine and vaccines, of course, all of that is important, but we over prescribe medication largely and, and, and sometimes unnecessarily because most of the chronic diseases that we see today in clinical practice are largely preventable, um, easily better managed by modifying our behaviors, and in some instances, even uh, reversible. So whatever the diagnosis is, find a physician that you trust, um, always get a second opinion, and no matter what, optimizing your lifestyle is going to serve any diagnosis regardless, regardless of what it is. Thank you so much, Sarah. You are the walking example of choose you now and what can manifest from doing so. And I'm so inspired by your work and your story. And thank you for sharing it with the world. You're making a big difference. And I'm really grateful to have come across you. Thank you so much, Juliana. It's a great pleasure to finally speak to you. This woman is quite literally the walking example of why it is so important to choose you now. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, become a member of our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash choose you now. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash choose you now and have access to exclusive content. Please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.